Wild Lives by Phonographic. Hey there, I'm Rochelle and welcome to the Wild Lives podcast. Today we're catching up with National Parks and Wildlife Ranger Mel Tyus, who has spent years working with Sydney's secret colony of little penguins. Now, many Sydney siders might be surprised to learn that these little guys are living amongst us, so I'm thrilled to have Mel with us today to tell us everything she knows about them. Before we get started chatting to Mel, though, let's have a quick look at their background. The smallest of all penguins, the little penguin, stands at around 30 centimetres tall and weighs about the same as a bottle of Coke, with females being slightly larger than the males. Their upper bodies and fins are blue-grey in colour and they have black bills, silvery-grey eyes and little pink feet. These are the only penguin species that breed on the Australian mainland and they can be found along the continent's southern coast, from Coffs Harbour in New South Wales to Perth in Western Australia. Every year between May and February, little penguins can be found in the Manly area on Sydney's North Harbour and they've been declared endangered. Hey Mel, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi Rochelle, pleasure. Now first up, tell us a little bit about you. How did you come to be working alongside Sydney's little penguins? Well, it's quite a long story, but but we like that, good. (laughs) But I actually grew up in Normanhurst and we're one of the first houses in the street. So it was actually a virgin bushland, which is a little sad, but we spent our whole childhood playing in the bush, catching tadpoles, catching frogs, catching turtles. And my parents are actually founding members of Sydney Metropolitan Wildlife Service. So I think it's in the blood. I I remember my careers advisor saying to me in about year 10, what would you like to do? And I said, well, I either want to be a park ranger or an interior designer. And she just laughed at the park ranger idea. And given that I'm colourblind, interior designing was not going to work for me. (laughs) So here I am as a park ranger. (laughs) How about the penguins themselves? So did you immediately start working with the penguins when you joined the ranger service? Or is that something that came a bit later? It came a bit later. Julie was the ranger working on penguins when I first became a ranger at Sydney Harbour National Park. And she had a tree change up to Bellingen. And when when she left, I took over running the program. So it's about 15, it's actually longer than that now. It's about 17 years since I've been looking after the penguins. That's amazing. Well, you can definitely answer this question. What's the difference between fairy and little penguins? Uh, Nothing except the name. (laughs) Actually, fairy penguin is... Well, it's factually incorrect, but, you know, obviously it suits them because they look like little fairies dancing in the moonlight. But they're actually called little penguins because the common name needs to reflect the Latin name as closely as possible. And the Latin name is Eudipchula minor, which means good little diver, hence little penguin. Mm. But we don't get too hung up about it. (laughs) It probably comes as a surprise to people here in Sydney that these little penguins can be found amongst us right here in the heart of Australia's biggest city. How many are there in the colony? Our last count, which was last week, so these figures are very new, was 27 breeding pairs. So last year we got to 28 breeding pairs and we haven't finished this season, so we're hoping that we'll get more pairs this year. We don't actually monitor the whole colony, though, so we think we roughly monitor about 75%. Mm. So there could be quite a few more. We just don't know. And we actually have a mortality register, so every dead penguin that is found goes to Taronga Zoo, and all our penguins are microchipped, and we find that only roughly 30% of the penguins that present for autopsy are microchipped. So there's either a lot more penguins or there's a lot more interaction between the other colonies than we know. The first sightings were recorded here in Sydney in the 1940s. Have the numbers always been this strong? The numbers are actually a lot stronger. In the 1960s, there was a report of someone shooting 300 in one night at Collins Flat. Shooting them. Shooting them, yeah. It's totally devastating. 
So it was the 1990s when there were only roughly 30 birds left in the whole colony and they were in the urban areas of Manly. And at that time, there was a big push from Judy Rise was at the Manly Environment Centre and it was the World Wildlife Fund and Erina Woolraven, who worked at Taronga Zoo for many years, to have them listed as an endangered population. And they were actually the first common species to be listed in the world. So they've got a remarkable history and everybody loves penguins mm. and we've got to do everything we can to bolster those numbers. And we are, we're working really closely with a whole lot of agencies such as Roads and Maritime, Water Police, uh, Northern Beaches Council. We basically work with everybody to try and protect these penguins. Mm. The penguins can actually be found in the Manly area between May and February. Why are they here at this time? They're breeding. So it's their breeding season. So from the end of May, or it's technically we call it the end of June, but they can come back any time. And actually some of them don't even leave. But they're here from May to February, as you said. Uh, February is when they're, or January, going to molt. Mm-hmm. So once the breeding season is over, they actually lose all their feathers. And they hang about, they're not waterproof, they can't eat, so they're land-bound for two or three weeks. So oh. you can imagine they're really cranky and really hungry, mm. and that's when some of them get picked up. And we tell people to leave them alone, or we ask them to leave them alone, unless, of course, there's imminent danger, such as dogs or people disturbing mm. them. So they've just got to be left to their own devices so they can get that shiny new coat of feathers, or you know, during the breeding season to mate. And we actually captured a pair mating on our wildlife cam the other day. Oh. <laughs> A bit of penguin that? paw. What does that even look like, though? Like, what's their... No, 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 not, <laughs> not in a dodgy way. But, like, what's their courtship behaviour and stuff like? I guess a lot of singing and dancing. It's it's not pretty. And then he just jumps on her back. It's quite simple. <laughs> okay, well, that definitely leads to chicks, which, you know, yes. we know. we know. I mean, I've done science. I know that that, <laughs> that does lead to some kind of baby but how does the first couple of days weeks and months of a chick's life look like in terms of like how long is the the egg incubated and and that sort of thing so the incubation period is about five weeks and the parents take turns sitting on the egg so one will go out they're very um progressive they take turns so one day the female will go out and the next day the male will go out and that's obviously so they can feed and don't stop and same thing happens when the chicks are born so after that and it's about seven or nine weeks when the parents actually turn off the fridge shut their cupboards sing to them and they're out the door so they do seem to disappear for two months of the year do you know where the penguins go we don't actually, but we do know that some stick around. So we have back-to-base wildlife monitoring cameras, so they're motion cameras, and that's actually shown us that some of them don't go anywhere. Mm. But for the first three years of the chick's life, they do disappear, and we don't know where they go to at that mm. stage. But we do know that we only get roughly 5% that make it through to adulthood. So every chick is really important, and our breeding birds are even more important because they're the strongest, they know how to survive, they know how to breed. So last year we had a pair under the wharf and they had two chicks. One of the, the female of that pair was killed. So the father had to be a single parent and raise those chicks by himself. So he just absolutely had it by the end of the breeding season. So we actually made a decision to take those chicks. They went to Taronga Zoo to be fattened up and then they were released because it was him that we were most concerned about Mm. because he'd been coming back for years and was a successful breeder. Mm. Was that Bella and Lucky? Yes, that was Lucky and Bella. There's been a few couples under the wharf, but Lucky and Bella, and we think it was Bella who um, was hit by a boat. But having said that, she wasn't microchipped and Bella was, so maybe there was 
bit of hanky-panky going on. We don't really know. <laughs> I've heard, though, that they are monogamous, but then the lady penguin might stray. Have you heard anything about that? I think they can both stray. Mm-hmm. You're right. They're technically monogamous, but I guess they're like people. It's mm-hmm. exactly the same kind of behaviour. Mm-hmm. And we've got one male who always gets a nest going but just seems to desert it, and so he's mm-hmm. pretty useless. So maybe, you know. Deadbeat dad. Deadbeat dad, all right. Oh. <laughs> Doesn't even get that far. His eggs never hatch. Oh. Dud dad. <laughs> I remember a while ago we were talking about penguins. And you mentioned that they can travel very far distances. Do you yes. remember? Yes, I do remember. One of ours turned up in Adelaide. and we, A Sydney one? A Sydney penguin yeah. swam to Adelaide. Now, that's a long way, seriously. Um, and we know that because the birds used to get flipper bands. Mm. And so this bird turned up in Adelaide, and it's part of the bird and bat banning scheme. They've got numbers on it, and we were advised that this penguin was in Adelaide. So now we actually microchip because... There is a potential that these flipper tags can get caught in shark nets, and that has happened. So now all our birds are microchipped, which is much better for, for that reason. But if people find them, they're not going to know that they're from Sydney. So that's the, yeah. that's the downside. But as I mentioned before, we really need anybody, people to report any dead penguins to us because we've been monitoring since 2002 with standardised monitoring so we've got so much information and what the monitoring does is tells us what the threats are and then we can put in plans to mitigate those threats Mm. so we know the biggest things that are killing penguins are foxes dogs we think a cat killed two this year and also boat strike and habitat destruction so they've got a lot to contend with in a really busy harbour but still someone managed to get from Sydney to Adelaide, that little dude. I can't believe that. No. <laughs> he was uh, very, very tenacious or had no sense of direction. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, what a legend. So how do they actually live? Like, they live in Manly near the wharf and in other little areas, right? How do they live? Do they have burrows? Is it like one big colony like you see down south or how does it work? No, it's quite a dispersed um, little colony. They're colonial nesters, so they feel safe in a little group, but they're not in one big group. So they're dispersed across beaches on uh, in North Head and also around the urban areas. But what happens at night when they come in, they form what's called a raft. So they all swim in together, and then they sort of take off and into their little discreet little villages, I guess you could call it. And we watched them during the fox attack in 2015 we sat there and watched them and one had come up and look around and think is it safe and then kind of call in the others and they'd all waddle up the beach i know (laughs) they're much nicer than people really aren't they um so that's what happens but that rafting behavior whilst it's was great prehistorically it now makes them really much more susceptible because if you've got a boat going through them, it can take out a whole lot at once. So it's a real double-edged sword for them. So what other penguin behaviours do you find interesting? Just the way they walk. They can walk a long way and they haven't got knees. So I really don't know how they do it. Their noise, the smallest, they've got little penguin syndrome, they are so loud. Shouty. Yeah, shouty, squawky, squealy. It's not a very nice noise. And... The other bit is they actually really stink, as you can imagine, because they live in their poo, which is quite revolting. So I don't find that a particularly appealing. That's not cute. That's not cute, no. (laughs) But just their behaviours when you watch them waddling around, and it's kind of like sometimes they look like they're holding flippers. I'm sure they're not, but, you know, we like to anthropomorphise them and give them human qualities, but they're just 
Everybody loves penguins. There's just something about them. What's not to love? What about, though, we touched on Bella and Lucky before. Are there any other individuals that you have come to know or have heard stories about? A few years ago, there were 10 at Federation Point, and the wardens, they all gave them names. So there was Romeo and Juliet because they had a little balcony there up the top and there was the clochards. Uh, I can't remember the rest of them, but um, they're all killed by a dog. So there's a real harm in getting too close to them because it can be absolutely devastating for people. And when I went up there after these penguins had been killed, the silence was deafening. It was really quite eerie and really quite sad. So the ones in the urban areas have been given names and they're the ones that the wardens look after. And I'm sure the ones that they're looking after in other places will have names in the not-too-distant future, if not already. (laughs) You did mention the wardens. Tell us about them. What do they do? Where do they come from? And and how do they get involved with the penguins? So we have 85 wardens. They do a training course each year and they they have a range of duties. Uh, They used to be at the wharf every night making sure that people gave the birds plenty of room to get back under the wharf to nest and to feed their chicks. They actually closed off a section of the beach. So that's been done in conjunction with Northern Beaches Council. Mm. And they'd educate the public about why they were shelling the beach. And what they do now is they go up to the National Park and do the same thing up there. Mm. So they close the beaches, tell people to go away. Sorry, not tell people to go away. Ask people nicely to leave. And they make sure that there aren't dogs there. The other night, we had two wardens up in the critical habitat area. And there was a dog just running around the beach. And if they hadn't have been there, that dog could have easily got those penguins. And when you've got 27 breeding pairs, every penguin is really important. So they actually managed to <laughs> enlist the service of five young boys who <laughs> helped them grab this dog. And then they found out where it lived. So the jobs they perform are really important. Actually, today they're at Mossman High doing an expo. So they've they got volunteers? a. Oh, yeah, yeah. The amount of time they give up is phenomenal. And during the fox attack of 2017, they spent all night on those beaches protecting those penguins from that fox. And I tell you, it wasn't like this winter. It was absolutely freezing. And they were there from dusk till dawn. And when we have a fox or a predation event on the headland, they're there straight away, again at dusk and dawn, because that's when the penguins are most susceptible to being taken out by a fox. So going out to the water. Going out and coming in. And when we what happened in 2015 is we knew that the fox was operating in the morning because the autopsies were showing us that the penguins' stomachs were empty. So it gets really scientific, and we even knew that we were looking for a fox with a distance between its two front teeth of 21 mils. So, I mean, any, you've got to eliminate every fox, obviously, but um, that was the one we were after. So you mentioned that they go out in the mornings to eat. Where are they going and what are they eating? They can forage quite a long distance and they eat squid and other little bait fish. And it's actually illegal to fish for squid in the harbour or in, sorry, not in the harbour, but in the aquatic reserve, which is the penguins habitat but unfortunately people continue to do it and last year we had a number of pairs that abandoned nesting attempts we had abandoned eggs and abandoned chicks and we think that was due to a lack of food resources so fishing is a real issue for their food resources and the seagrass is also really important so when people anchor that's why we've got you know anchoring in defined areas only so that the seagrass isn't disturbed but they can head right out to sea too so they're utilizing a really large area we want to do some gps tracking on them to see where they're actually going each day and, and where they're foraging and we're currently seeking funding to do that i've been way out to sea 
or way out, I mean, like a couple of k's off the coast. And we've heard them like <laughs> near us when we've been out on a whale watch and stuff. It's pretty amazing to think. And well, I mean, they can swim all the way to Adelaide, apparently. Anyway, so you know, <laughs> maybe it's far. not that amazing. Maybe that guy's just lazy. That's right. <laughs> but they are swimming in the harbour to eat, which I mean, Sydney Harbour. If you haven't been to Sydney, I mean, it, it's chockers. Like it is full on in terms of traffic. They're pretty much in danger all the time of boat strikes, aren't they? Absolutely. They're in danger from so many different things. You've got boat strike, you've got the land-based issues that they face. So it's amazing that they're still there. We've been working really closely with NRMA, Fast Ferries, and doing some citizen science programs. So we actually sit up in the wheelhouse and watch the penguins raft and the wardens are going to be given the opportunity to actually do commentary on whale watching boats, particularly when there aren't many whales about. So <laughs> we'll talk about the penguins. Um, so, you know, we've, we've been able to get some really great partnerships going around this program and we're working with, I mentioned before, Roads and Maritime Services and putting up big signs. I went out on a joint patrol on the weekend and what was patently obvious is a lot of people didn't realise why these regulations were in place. And they were really responsive when we mentioned that it was about penguins. Mm. So I think education is really vital. Because we're so fixated with penguins and we're all so penguin aware, we don't realise that not everybody is as penguin obsessed as we are. Mm. Um, so it's really important that we do educate. So we'll be working really closely with Maritime this summer to make sure that the boaties did the right thing. Uh, Maritime's going to be putting in a whole lot of boys for us, mooring boys, and to make sure that people are aware of why mm. Spring Cove itself is just so important for penguin mating mm. behaviour and recovery. I think for a lot of Sydney siders, we don't even really know that they're here, especially if you're on the other side of the harbour, because, you know, mainly being on the North Bank. But so now that we do know about it, how can we all get involved to help them out? Basically by, you know, if you're boating, be penguin aware. It's a lot of those fast boats, they just can't anticipate where the boat's going. Land-based, do not take your dog anywhere near the National Park because that's a huge threat to them. Don't disturb their nesting area. Just appreciate them and really enjoy them from a distance. Hopefully the penguins will come back under the wharf so that people can get close to them again. But just help us grow the numbers just be vigilant. Let us know if you find a dead penguin so we can again get it autopsied, see if it's one from the manly colony, whether it's microchipped or not, because that sort of information is just vital to improving the health of that colony. And we've got amazing records. The wardens at the wharf each night would record everything they saw from the time the penguin came in to the time the penguin went out, what the weather was like, how many people were there. And it's really quite amazing that originally they would see two penguins. And then they'd see one and they'd go, ah, oh, they must have eggs. And then roughly, you know, a few weeks later, they'd see two again because the chicks would be able to fend for themselves. And then they'd see four and then they'd see two again. And all of this is recorded for quite a number of years. So it's just incredible citizen science in action mm. with 85 people involved. And those messages spread. We have roughly 700 local school kids do a project each year through Taronga Zoo. And they all become penguin wear, and some of those kids have become wardens, which is great to see. It's that follow-on, so actually doing a school project and then going, I want to be involved with this, you know. Awesome. Yeah, that yeah. that brings a tear to your eye. It must make all your hard work so worthwhile. How can local businesses and things like that get involved if they want to help support the warden program? Well, Hugo's is a remarkable local organisation, a local restaurant. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, they put on a fundraiser for us, uh, which raised $40,000 for the penguins. Wow. I know, incredible. And it was a lunch and we had a lot of people donating 
but prizes. But they also provide the wardens with pizza every night they're on duty. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just incredible. And the wardens really appreciate it. And, I mean, we really value it. It's just, again, I mentioned you that it's a whole community. It takes a whole mm. community to raise a penguin, and this is a really great example mm. of it. So local businesses such as Hugo's, and we also work with the Federal Police School up at North Head. They're fantastic. They often put on Christmas dues for us, and the wardens can go in there for tea and coffee before they're on duty in the shift. So we've got a great community supporting us. Thank you for taking the time to chat to me about it today, Mel. It's been awesome to catch up again. Thanks, Rochelle. Great to see you. And thank you for listening. Now, if you'd like to get involved or find out more about Sydney's penguins, head to environment.nsw.gov.au. And for more wildlife news, views and podcasts, jump onto phonographic.com. Catch you next time. Wildlives by Phonographic. Check out our wildlife photo gallery at phonographic.com and on Instagram at phonographic. Mm-hmm.